From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm Amanda Icone. This week, we turn to Capitol Hill for an update on Congress's unfinished tax business. Tax extenders have been called the cockroaches of tax policy. They always survive. But with many already expired or about to, is a fight over their fate brewing? Proposals to correct technical glitches in the 2017 tax law also could make headway. But what will Democrats want in return? And a White House proposal to tie capital gains taxes to inflation is drawing plenty of attention from vacationing lawmakers. Our Capitol Hill team dissects what's waiting for Congress when lawmakers return to Washington in September. Joining me back in the studio is Stu Basu, and I'd like to welcome for the first time Colin Wilhelm. Both cover the Hill for Bloomberg Tax. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Let's start with extenders. Colin, remind everyone, what do we mean by tax extenders? So a tax extender is an extension of a temporary tax break, either a deduction or a credit, or maybe some sort of other break or provision that is expired or is due to expire, and Congress chooses to extend them on a temporary basis, basically because it's easier to do. They don't have to find an offset in the budget uh, in order to pay for it. So uh, there's a a fairly large list of extenders that are uh, coming up uh, this fall. Uh, We have some expiring provisions from this year, and then we have expiring provisions from 2018 and also 2017, which is probably the longest that uh, some of these tax breaks have kind of lingered out there without a renewal. Stu, what are some of those tax perks that are going to be expiring this year? Can you give us a few examples? So we, sh- uh, we should note that the Ways and the House Ways and Means Committee has already passed an extenders bill. And, you know, what they did was they put together the expired provisions with some provisions that are going to expire at the end of 2019. And that includes something called the Craft Beverage Modernization Act. Um, It's a federal excise tax cap. It's a federal excise tax cut on distilled spirits. and this was part of the 2017 Republican tax law, and it's scheduled to expire at the end of 2019. Now, this provision has bipartisan support. And what that means is that, you know, there, there will be an effort to kind of pass this tax break uh, through the rest of the year. And it was uh, kind of a clever move by Ways and Means Democrats to lump this in with the traditional basket of extenders. Uh, This kind of gives that tax package uh, more legs. Uh, The other one that expires at the end of the year is New Markets Tax Credit. Uh, It's it's a way of attracting private capital into low-income communities. Uh, So this tax credit, again, traditionally has had bipartisan support. These uh, two tax breaks, some have said, uh, can provide ammunition for the rest of the other tax breaks in the package and carry the whole uh, kind of bill forward. So there's some bipartisan support for some of these tax breaks, right? But there's that's not true for all of them. Colin, what is the, the future of the rest of these extenders that may or may not be renewed? Well, it's a little bit to be determined. Uh, some of these tax breaks really, or a lot of these tax breaks, I should say, 
really cut along parochial lines. Uh, they don't really f- necessarily fall under uh, certain uh, partisan ideological uh, battle lines. But um, we'll see. I mean, the Senate Finance Committee has different working groups that are putting together reports, but there's some perception that there could be uh, a little bit of internal disagreement um, on some of these provisions, which gives kind of a preview as to some of the the trickiness of extending these different things that various industries want, but also uh, have their own opposition. You know, some of these come with their own baggage. That's why they've been packaged together with other provisions that are more popular in the past. So I wonder if that potential stalemate over some of these provisions means that they just might not ever be renewed. I mean, I, this this seems to be giving some groups on both sides of the political spectrum that this practice of perennially renewing these extenders might finally come to an end. Right. You've seen a, an unusual coalition form in opposition to extending these tax breaks uh, based on the argument that they're bad economic policy because a lot of them are retroactive. These companies have been continuing operations without them for, uh, in some cases, up to uh, almost two years. And then uh, also that they're targeted towards specific industries. Um, there's a horse racing tax break. There's a motorsports complex depreciation tax break. Um different various very specifically targeted uh, tax benefits that uh, folks across the ideological spectrum from uh, very progressive groups to very conservative groups uh, and folks in the middle all oppose, basically. So these groups oppose, uh, they, they argue that these breaks are bad economic policy, that they cost the government money unnecessarily, and that uh, just on an ideological level, government shouldn't be benefiting different industries uh, with these sort of targeted tax breaks. And because these breaks have have been, uh, in some cases, expired for as long as they have, it's been longer than any sort of uh, temporary tax breaks have lingered out there uh, in the past. So there's a perception that this is the uh, likeliest... um, time for them to actually permanently expire. On the flip side, um, Chairman uh, Chuck Grassley, who is the ch- uh, who leads the Senate Finance Panel, he is very interested in this um, package. And tax extenders have been called the cockroaches of Washington policy. So they always survive, some people say. So we have a fight on our hands, and we'll have to see what happens in the coming months. Do we know just how much these extenders add up to dollar-wise over time? It's a, it's a little combined? bit over 30, an estimated $30 billion over 10 years. Um, and it's one of those instances where on an individual basis, some of these extenders might not um, affect the federal budget all that much on their own. But when you add them all together, it, the price tag starts to rise. I'd like to pivot to technical corrections. A year and a half and counting, and there's still no consensus on a bill that would make technical fixes to the 2017 tax law. Stu, where did Congress leave this issue when they left for the August recess? Um, Republicans are eager to make fixes uh, to the 2017 tax law. Uh, The Democrats, not so much. But it depends who you're talking to and what 
technical corrections you're talking about. Uh, for instance, uh, there's something um, called a retail glitch, and that error in the law prevents restaurants and retailers from immediately writing off the cost of interior improvements. Now, that fixing that uh, has bipartisan support. There are bills from Jimmy Panetta, Democrat of California, and Jackie Walorski, a Republican from Indiana. And on the Senate side, from Senator Pat Toomey and Senator Doug Jones to kind of fix that error. Uh, now, you know, Democrats have said again and again this year that any technical fixes will be subject to pretty heavy discussions. And that's what we expect. Uh, Democrats will expect something in return. Uh, it, what we are thinking, maybe it will be an expansion of the earned income tax credit or some tweaks to the child tax credit. Uh, and even though some Democrats uh, have introduced bills uh, to fix some of the glitches in the 2017 tax law, doesn't mean that the whole Democratic caucus uh, will kind of come around without getting their pound of flesh. What about the church parking tax? Yes, uh, now that's a controversial provision, again, from the 2017 tax law uh, that imposes a tax on some benefits for employees at nonprofit organizations, uh, like, say, a church or other houses of worship. Again, uh, this provision has bipartisan support. And the Ways and Means Committee uh, has kind of passed a repeal of this tax in, in one of their bills they advanced. Uh, but again, they're talking about it and how to make this part of a larger bill. Um, this is a technical correction that Democrats are most likely to agree to, but um, you know they might want something in return. Uh, there are some in the Democratic caucus who really want to fix it, but uh, discussions are ongoing. And Colin, one of those fixes that remains unaddressed has to do with the survivor benefits for the families of military members, service members, first responders. Um, what is the conversation there? Is there any movement on addressing these Gold Star family benefits? So that fix, uh, the so-called Gold Star fix, uh, which is meant to address an unintentional increase on the benefits that uh uh, families and other survivors of um, military members or, or first responders, as you said, um, receive. Uh, that's been stalled a little bit as part of uh, it was attached to a retirement package that moved out of the House on a bipartisan basis, overwhelming vote. Uh, there were a few uh, objections to certain provisions within that package or in one case to uh, a lack of provision uh, within that package. Uh, Senator Cruz wanted a um, uh, basically a extension of uh, 529 savings plans to homeschools uh, or homeschool children, homeschooled families, or families that utilize homeschooling. Um, so uh, that's been stalled basically because uh, Senator McConnell uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell doesn't want to use floor time on this uh, larger retirement package, and the Gold Star fix is within that. I think there's a possibility that that fix ends up getting attached to another piece of legislation, um, possibly before the end of the year, uh, if this retirement package doesn't move. But 
for now, it's just kind of stalled because uh, uh, Senate Republicans, a couple of conservatives, uh, basically have some objections to different provisions within that package, not to the, the gold star fix itself. So members may not be in Washington right now, but that's not stopping the Democrats from arguing with the Trump administration, uh, in particular about capital gains taxes. Colin, the Trump White House has been floating this idea of pegging capital gains taxes to inflation. What has the reaction from lawmakers been? So uh, depends on what side of the aisle. Senate Democrats sent a letter to the administration uh, totally opposed to indexing capital gains. Uh, basically, the argument is that this is a, a benefit for the wealthy um, by and large. Uh, whereas uh, Senate Republicans, uh, shortly before Congress left for August recess, uh, some Senate Republicans, I should say, uh, sent a letter in support of uh, indexing capital gains uh, to inflation, which would be kind of a uh, effective tax cut. It's technically a little bit different than that because it's it's the president telling the IRS to rewrite their own regulations. Um, but uh, basically, you see the early uh, beginnings of a political fight there. Uh, should Trump decide to move forward uh, with indexing capital gains, which is a, a basically a goal of uh, conservatives, including uh, National Economic Council Director Larry Kudlow, uh, for years. Uh, this is something that a lot of conservative outside groups are pushing for right now, and they feel like they have more traction than they have in the past. Well, and this this sets up a, a classic uh, example of how Republicans and Democrats, their economic policy views are very different. Uh, what is the Republican argument what for for making this change in the capital gains tax? What so, benefit would it would it create? The Republican argument is that this would increase investment because there's more incentive uh, to invest, uh, basically because uh, your capital gains would be taxed at a slightly lower rate as a result of factoring in inflation. Um, to the the tax rate that you end up paying on on cashing out your stocks or your bonds, or or real estate investments, and the Democratic concern about that is is that this will be uh, the distri- the distributional effect, uh, as tax nerds will call it, uh, is that is largely that it'll give more money to wealthier investors just because you have a, a disproportionate amount of investment made by wealthy individuals. And then their economic experts are mixed on the, the overall benefit that this would have for the economy. Well, I'd like to thank you, Colin. Thank you, Stu. Really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Now, this week's top headlines. Taxpayers will have to give the IRS the date of their divorce agreements to determine whether or not they have to keep reporting income from alimony. The Treasury Department's watchdog has said that discrepancies in reporting alimony for tax purposes jumped by a third over a four-year period. The 2017 tax law ended the deduction for alimony payments and the companion requirement to report alimony income. However, income from pre-2019 alimony agreements still has to be reported. Facebook and other internet giants may have to spend millions re-engineering systems to comply with the digital business tax that France will start collecting this fall. 
the companies say a big part of the expense stems from having to collect data going back to January, information they may not have previously collected. The public comments were submitted ahead of an August 19 hearing that the U.S. Trade Representative has scheduled on the French tax. Public accounting firms in the U.S. hired fewer accounting graduates in 2018, opting instead for workers with degrees and skills in other areas like data analytics. That's according to a new report from the AICPA. Non-accounting grads now make up about a third of new hires as firms look to plug a technology skills gap. That's it for this week's episode. From Washington, I'm Amanda Icone. You probably have a lot of questions about the environment. Well, so do we. Are we talking like radioactive chemicals? Is this becoming sort of irrelevant if the U.S. doesn't participate in this? What's going on here? How far did the Trump administration go? And is mining really better down where it's wetter? Climate change, chemicals, water pollution, you name it. If it's in the environment, we're talking about it. Listen to Bloomberg Environment's official podcast, Parts Per Billion, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, get up-to-the-minute reporting at our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com.